You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee. And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's January 28th. Yesterday, U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin called for the Pentagon to improve its efforts to prevent civilian harm. Austin said, quote, The protection of innocent civilians in the conduct of our operations remains vital to the ultimate success of our operations, and as a significant strategic and moral imperative. This statement came just before Rand released a new report that helped shape these changes. Our study analyzes Department of Defense policies aimed at reducing and responding to civilian harm, and outlines areas for reform. The report finds that there were weaknesses and inconsistencies in current DOD civilian casualty policies, and that lessons from military strikes that cause civilian casualties are not shared across the department in a way that meaningfully reduces future casualties. The report recommends a wide range of potential improvements. These include making civilian casualty assessments more robust by expanding the kinds of data and information used, and by improving DOD's management of civilian casualty-related data, adapting investigations of civilian harm incidents to support operational and institutional learning within the military, providing guidance and training on all options available to commanders when responding to civilian harm and assisting those affected, creating dedicated, permanent positions for protection of civilians in each geographic combatant command and across DOD, and creating a center of excellence for civilian protection. The authors stress that tactical and operational changes, such as targeting, are also important to preventing civilian casualties, but tactical and operational changes alone are insufficient. The institutional reforms highlighted in the report are needed to help the U.S. military fulfill its civilian protection responsibilities. The complete report is available at RAND.org. You can also find it via the pinned tweet on RAND's Twitter feed. How were school principals holding up one year into the pandemic? According to RAND survey data released this week, Four out of five secondary principals experienced frequent job-related stress during the 2020-2021 school year. Constant stress on the job was especially likely among people of color, female principals, and those serving high-poverty schools or schools with high enrollment of students of color. Secondary principals said that their top stressors were supporting teachers' well-being, supporting students' social and emotional learning, and navigating pandemic-related challenges. Additionally, principals in schools that provided fully remote instruction were more likely to experience constant job-related stress than principals in schools that provided hybrid or in-person instruction. Given these findings, RAND researchers say it's important for school district leaders and state and local policymakers to focus on supporting the well-being and mental health of principals, especially those from historically marginalized groups and those who lead schools with large proportions of students of color or students living in poverty. Addressing this issue may be urgent. As one principal we surveyed said, quote, This has been one of the toughest years for educators ever. 
and if the burden isn't lifted, principals could end up leaving their jobs or the profession altogether. A new Rand study shows that alcohol consumption during the pandemic declined among American men, but remained steady among women. And as the pandemic has persisted, Americans' alcohol-related problems have increased. Alcohol-related problems rose by 49% among women and by 69% among men. This increase among men is particularly striking because it occurred even as there was a steady decline in the amount they were drinking. The reason for these problems is unclear, but researchers say that it could be because men cut back on their alcohol use over time because they were experiencing negative consequences from drinking. Another possibility is that men perceived their drinking to be more problematic over time, perhaps as they gained more domestic responsibilities like caregiving, or if they were experiencing concerns about job security. These findings highlight the need to continue examining multiple indicators of alcohol use, which may help clarify the pandemic's full effect on drinking behavior. The Equity First Vaccination Initiative aims to reduce racial and ethnic disparities in COVID-19 vaccination rates in the United States. The initiative works with community-based organizations in five different cities in the U.S. to hold vaccine-related events, provide assistance, such as transportation and vaccine registration, make connections with community members through campaigns and information sessions, and administer COVID-19 vaccinations. RAND researchers are in the midst of assessing this program, identifying lessons that could help inform future efforts. Their early findings identify some key barriers the communities face when it comes to vaccine access. For example, information about how to get vaccinated is hard to find. The institutions and systems administering vaccinations might not be trusted. And even though vaccinations are free, individuals still incur costs related to accessing them. The organizations working on the ground have used creative, community-based strategies to overcome these obstacles, sharing information about where and how to access vaccines, providing transportation through travel vouchers or carpools, simplifying registration and appointment processes, and offering perks for getting the shot. Although this type of outreach is time- and labor-intensive, Rand's findings suggest that when it comes to tailoring strategies to address barriers to vaccine access, there is almost no such thing as too hyperlocal. Nevertheless, programs like these need more support to be successful. This includes improved policy leadership at all levels, stable and more flexible funding, technical assistance, and access to high-quality data on neighborhood vaccination rates. On the world stage, the U.S. is focused on deterring intensifying threats from the likes of Russia and China. But support for deterrence among the American public is currently very much in question, says Rand's Raphael Cohen. The American people are angry, he says, and that anger is mostly focused on domestic issues, not on what's happening abroad. In fact, Data suggests that Americans now view one another as a bigger threat than those faced beyond our borders. To boot, Americans lack confidence in most government institutions. According to Cohen, quote, This darkening backdrop of internal division translates into an unsteady American hand in world affairs. 
How exactly? Well, U.S. adversaries could see America's deep divisions as a reason to question U.S. willpower. It could lead them to believe that the U.S. is so beset with its own doubt and divisions that it lacks the strength and motivation to act decisively abroad, even if U.S. military capabilities remain as formidable as ever. Directing more resources toward deterrence efforts won't solve this particular problem, Cohen says. Rather, addressing this challenge will require something that defense dollars can't buy, repairing the social fabric here at home. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered in this episode, check the show notes at rand.org/podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you.